So I learned this week that about 40% of Americans more or less make resolutions, which is not a lot, 40%, it's less than half, but it's more than watch the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl is kind of a big deal. And I was surprised, like, it's even, it's even a lot thinking, like, less than 10% who make resolutions carry them out through the whole year. So when you consider that less than 10% of the people making resolutions uh, are successful and that every year 40% keep, keep trying, I was like, that, that's quite a bit. Um, and the way that I felt about New Year's resolutions for the longest time is it's really kind of dumb. You spend like six days in between Christmas and New Year's thinking of these grand plans that you're going to do to like change your life. And then uh, two weeks later, you know, you're, you've forgotten what your resolution is, or at least I have. Uh, I just wasn't that committed. Um, but now I really like resolutions and I don't just like them at the start of the year. I like them throughout the year. Uh, Jonathan Edwards is considered by many to be one of the most brilliant men in the history of North America. And uh, one of the reasons that he is famous is he, he had 70 resolutions that, uh, as a Christian, he sought to live by. And uh, he did not live by these perfectly, but he even had a resolution for that. Resolution number three. And this is Old English. He lived like in the late 1700s, early in the 1700s period. Uh, but he said, resolved if I ever fall and grow dull so as to neglect any part of these 70 resolutions to repent of all that I can remember when I come to myself again. So translated into modern day, once I realize that I'm not measuring up to the life that I've intended and committed to live, I, I resolve to repent. I resolve to... Uh, turn around and follow Jesus again. So these resolutions expressed Edward's life direction. He, his resolve to live a certain kind of life. And our resolutions will show, they will reveal our own resolve. So if, if your resolution, whether it's this week or in two months, if it's kind of hazy and, and fuzzy or general, it, it's because your direction, your life direction is kind of hazy or vague or general. If your resolution is clear, but it doesn't last, um, it might be because there's something that you're more resolved to move towards with your life. So just so you know, I'm not, the, my, my goal here is not to convince you uh, of a resolution by January 1. My goal is to encourage you to live with resolution every day and every year. So we're, we're going to start a new sermon series today and we're going to continue it through January. Um, and, and the goal is to strengthen our resolve to do one thing, which is to spend time intentionally alone with Jesus. So part of the reason we're doing this is uh, every year I kind of invite feedback from some key leaders here and the feedback I got, we had just finished a series on community, and the feedback I got like a month ago was, Ben, I think people are like on board with the vision. I think people want to, uh, th they want to move towards the vision, but they're not sure how. Like they're not sure what's the next step. Like practically, what can I do? And there are a lot of really good things to do. I mean, these name tags 
They don't prepare themselves. That coffee didn't prepare themselves. There's, there's kids being invested in downstairs. Lots of kids that, uh, like, yeah, people need, or we need people to serve in order to do all these things, which are incredibly important. Um, but if you asked me, if, if there was just one thing, one thing, that I could do? What should I focus on? One thing to bless God's people, to be a faithful witness to the world. One thing I would say, spend intentional time with God alone. And I would encourage you to move towards doing it every day. Um, that, that's the one thing I would encourage you to do. And spending intentional set aside time with God uh, there's no Bible verse that says you have to do this, but it's kind of the precedent uh, that Jesus set um, and that many of the saints of old set. Even going back to David, in Psalm 27, David writes, one thing I ask of the Lord. He says, this is the one thing that I seek, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So the psalmist here, he uses some words that like we don't normally use, dwell. Dwell just means to live. And temple, like we don't have that vernacular. You, did you come to temple today? You wouldn't say that. Uh, would you say you came to the house of the Lord today? Probably not. But what he is asking is he wants to live where God's presence is made known. Because in the Old Testament, the temple, the house of the Lord, is where God made his presence known in a real personal way. And so what he's asking here is, God, the one thing I want, I just want to spend my whole life, all of my days, enjoying your presence. That's the only thing I want. And so if, if that's the only thing that we want, we would make time to just do that for for even five minutes, just a little bit of time to just train to be alone with God. So the, the reason I say that, the reason I say this is the one thing I'd encourage you to do is because my assumption is if you do this, it will slowly change the rest of your life. It's a practice that will help you see the rest of your life from your work to your marriage to your relationships differently. Your, your coworkers, your neighbors, everything is uh, on the table when you seek to live your life devoted to Christ. So the, the one thing uh, I'd encourage you to consider doing, not just this year, but like with the rest of your life, is spend intentional time with God. Because if you've chosen to follow Jesus, you've already kind of made this commitment to follow him with your whole life. That, that, those are his terms. For him to be Savior and Lord doesn't mean to pray a prayer. It means I commit to learning how to live from you, Jesus. And I think that you're the best person to follow. So th there's probably a lot of different reactions like out there where y'all are sitting. Lots of different reactions to hearing this encouragement to spend intentional time with God. And one of those reactions is most likely shame. Like, Someone's feeling, I know that I should do that, but I don't know how. I've never really done it. Um, I've tried and I've failed. 
Others might be thinking, uh, I've read the whole Bible. I've done the whole spiritual disciplines thing. I've tried it, and it just doesn't work for me. Okay? Um, still others might think, yeah, Ben, that's what's wrong with Christianity today. You get them. Get them. And uh, I would say, whoa, Mr. and Mrs. Self-Righteous, uh, let's model repentance <laughs> for them. Like, I, I just want you to hear this. No matter what your reaction is, spending intentional time with God is something all of us, it's something that I can grow in, can improve in. And the goal here is not having these perfect times with God where we just walk away and we feel completely different and it's just like incredible. I mean, hopefully if you pursue this, a lifetime of this, uh, you might have some of those, but that's not the goal. The goal is progress in relationship. The goal is deeper friendship. The goal is not reading the Bible in a year. The goal is not memorizing so many verses, praying for so long. The goal is not feeling a certain way. So what is progress? What might progress look like? If you don't have any quiet times, any time alone with God that's intentional, like uh, where you say, God, I want to meet you at this time. Here I am. I'm listening to you. Then, Then progress would just be having that time once a week. So if you do something every day, and, and you kind of have this built into your life, progress might, be, might look like coming alongside someone else and asking them, hey, how's this going for you? And progress might also be asking Jesus in, in your time with him, is there anything I'm missing? How would you reshape our time together? Rather than just going through your, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to pray, and then I got my t- check, you know. That, that's, a, that's an example of what progress might look like, is actually asking Jesus, hey, what do you think about our relationship? It's a novel idea for me sometimes. Because I'm, I'm personally geared towards the checklist. Say, oh, I got that done. So here's what we're going to uh, consider as we move towards uh, spending spending time intentionally with God this, this next month and really focusing on it in our, in our series is uh, we're going to move towards scripture, uh, prayer, and community and endurance. Those are the four things over the next four weeks we're going to look at. Scripture, prayer, community, and endurance. So today, today I, there's not a lot of scripture, but I, I want you to think about what I say and Make notes if you think it's not biblical. But what I'm going to say, what I want to say today is what is a quiet time and what it is not. And I want to start by saying what it's not is earning favor with God. You don't earn any favor with God by having a quiet time. You don't lose any favor with God by not having a quiet time. What having a quiet time is, is it is exerting effort. And grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. So when Jesus talks about abiding in him, abiding in his love in John 15, and when Paul encourages the church at Corinth to behold the glory of God and be changed as you look at God, that's, that's the goal of a quiet time. Not to read your Bible, but to behold Christ and be changed. 
A quiet time is not optional. I, I want to say that again because I spent a long time thinking quiet times are optional because you don't have to have them to be saved, and you don't. But they're not optional. They are inevitable. And what I mean by that is spiritual formation is always happening in our hearts and in our minds. And when we have quiet times, we are taking responsibility for who we're becoming. Okay? We will all be formed. Our hearts will all embrace someone or something. And so when I say they're optional, or they're not optional, when I say they're not optional, uh, I just mean your relationship with Christ is moving in a certain direction. And this is an opportunity to move in the direction of Christ-likeness, to grow. Quiet times is not a quest for some feeling. I've often heard people say, yeah, I've had them, but I really haven't had good quiet times. And one of my mentors told me, what do you even mean by that? And often it's, I don't feel connected to God. I don't feel like I'm doing anything meaningful. But if you're having quiet times, they're meaningful. It's training. It's not about pursuing a feeling. Because what it is, is it is training for a certain kind of life. It's learning to be trained by Jesus. A quiet time is not something that will happen overnight. Where you start having them, and then it's just part of your routine, it's just part of what you do, and it changes you immediately. That does happen to some people, but what, a, what quiet times, what, what we're really after is a lifetime of training, a lifetime of transformation. So having a quiet time is not this fixed, rigid event where it has to look like this, it has to look like 10 minutes of Bible study, 10 minutes of prayer, or 30 minutes of Bible study, and 15 minutes of prayer. It is, th there is form there. I think it's wise to have a plan. It's wise to have some form. But understand that the form that you put in place is for the purpose of function, for the purpose of knowing God, seeking his face. And so if there's, there's a problem if like every morning you get up at 6.30 and spend 45 minutes with God and you do that for years, and, and there's no connection to the rest of your life. There, there's a problem. The, the form is not accomplishing its function. So, number six, uh, having a quiet time is not just something else to do. Our lives are filled with checklists and things to do. And this is not just something else to do. This is something that we do in order to become. This is a process of being with Jesus. It's a process of becoming like him. And, it, and, and often it helps me to end my quiet time connecting what I just did, spending intentional time with God, with what I'm about to do. The rest of my checklist for the day, the rest of the schedule for the week. It's connecting this process to all the rest of your life. So a quiet time is not necessarily even quiet. You don't have to be quiet. And uh, sometimes I've texted like friends, hey, how are your QTs going? You know, abbreviate everything. And there have been a number of guys who are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is a QT? 
And I've realized maybe a better name, like for me, is quality time. QT, quality time with God. That's what we're after. Intentional, set aside, quality time with your heavenly father. That's what a quiet time is. And so it's not going upstairs into this spiritual space, this spiritual reality. It's learning to live a one-story life. That, that's, that's the goal of these intentional times with our Heavenly Father. So I just want to encourage you to consider just making this a resolution, not for January 1, but for every single day, for every single season of your life. And it, it gets different when you're in college versus out of college, in school, out of school, with kids, with no kids. But have this resolve to have intentional daily time with God because having this time, it helps us to remember the gospel. And often it helps me to remember the gospel starting with this. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to sit down and stop and do nothing but pray and read. I, I'm a pastor and sometimes I don't want to have my quiet time, okay? What does that say about me? That tells me I'm a sinner. When I open my Bible, what does that say about me and all of us? It tells me we all need Jesus. So having these times, it helps us to see and to savor the gospel. But also having these times, having intentional times with God, they serve as a response to the gospel. The gospel says that life with God is available. Jesus said it this way. Repent, change your mind, change your way of living because the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which means you can live with God starting right now. And so wouldn't it make sense if we believe that, wouldn't it, make, wouldn't it just be like the next obvious step to spend intentional time with God because we believe this good news that we can, like that God is right here, he's available. And I'm all for like, talking to him throughout your day, but there's just something different when you sit across a table from someone alone, undistracted, with the purpose of connecting with them. It's different than, hey, let's move these chairs together, or hey, let's paint this wall together. And, and this is an opportunity for us to have that type of depth and to cultivate that type of depth in our relationship with Christ. And so here, here's just my practical pointer for this week. If you're intrigued, uh, if you have committed and you want to continue to live out this commitment to spend intentional time with God, have a plan. Have a plan that makes sense to you. Don't just, if you just say, well, we'll see how it fits in the day, most likely it won't fit into your day. <laughs> You'll forget if you're like me. And, and, and you would have a plan if you're meeting up with a friend for lunch. You'd know when you're going there. You'd know where you're going there. Do the same thing with this time with Christ. Now, by all means, again, invite him into the rest of your day. But have this time where you can just be alone together and have some quality time together. And the best plan, just so you know, the best plan is the one that you'll actually do. So if you go to small group, which is really helpful to like, uh, keep your resolve up is to surround yourself with a bunch of other people who have the same resolve. Um, but if you go to small group and you hear about this guy who's spending like an hour with God at 5.30 in the morning every single day and you're just like, oh man, 
oh, that's not me. I'll never do that. The best plan for you is the one that you're actually going to do. And so when you're making your plan, recognize that this plan is connected to all your other plans. Meaning, if you stay up too late, <laughs> it's, it shouldn't surprise you when you sleep in past your alarm. Okay? Uh, if, if you want to have quiet times in the evenings, um, just remember that everything you're doing before your quiet time is, is potentially encroaching in on that. And I have friends who have quiet times in the evening. That, that's just fine. But just make a plan that you can actually do. Um, and that's the best place to start. So I want to tell you a quick story as we finish. Uh, I have never really liked running for the sake of running. I just thought it was miserable. I got bored running. And uh, about three years ago, three years ago, if you'd asked me, Will you ever, like, just enjoy running for the sake of running, Ben? I'd say, no way. <laughs> I've tried it. <laughs> um, cross country was the worst sport I ever did. <laughs> because all you do is run. It's so boring. Um, but we have this dog that needs exercise. So I started running the dog. And it was, it was just for the dog, but now the running is more for me than it's for the dog. It's a great way for me to de-stress and just get all my crazies out. I started getting the dog's crazies out, but it helps me get some of my crazies out. All, all that being said is there is a process where discipline and, and doing something because you have to, and it's just a discipline, there's a process of when discipline becomes delight. And the goal in sp spending this intentional time with God, it might feel for you, like a discipline for years, years before you start tasting some of the delight. But my question for you to consider today is, what if it took you 10 years? I mean, what if it took you longer than 10 years to, to get into the routine daily, to kind of figure out what's helpful for you? Um, what if, and, and I hope it doesn't take you any of you that long, but even if it took you that long to move towards having the delight in God that you can only have through the path of discipline, wouldn't it be worth it? Wouldn't it be worth it uh, for your kids to see that on your face as they grew up, this increasing delight in who Jesus is because of these habits that mom and dad have set in place in their lives? Wouldn't it be worth it for your friends who you just met this, this year to talk to you in three or four years and say, since I've met you, you've really changed in these ways. You've, you've really become more patient. You've really become a kinder person. And, and, and your coworkers, I mean, wouldn't it be worth it if they start seeing Jesus in your life? And they probably, you know, wouldn't call it Jesus they'd start seeing this, this gradual transformation. And the only way that I know how to do this, like Christ can do this without any of our effort, but the way, the, the way that the Bible encourages us to take part in this is to set our minds on what matters most, is to make our resolve clear. And, and Jesus even promises 
when you want him most, when you seek him with all of your heart, you'll find him. So now as we, as we close, uh, Psalm 27.4, I forgot to highlight this. Oh, there it is. Sorry. Thanks, John. Um, as we close, I encourage you to make this verse your prayer and just be honest with God. Like if you read these first four words, one thing I ask, and you know where it's going, <laughs> and, and you can stop and tell God silently, honestly, no. Like I've been wanting more than that. I have a hard time just asking for this one thing from you, God, just your presence, just you. Then just talk to God about that. He can handle it. And so I'm going to give you some time and I'll, I'll close us in prayer. Jesus, even when I don't feel like it, when we don't feel like it, uh, we believe this is best for us to seek you first and foremost, for this to even be the one thing that we seek with our lives is to live with you. And we, we know we're familiar with your promise that we will live with you forever um, in the life to come, in eternity future. Um, but I pray that you'd open our eyes to see the opportunity that we have with you right now. Um, teach me, teach, teach us to seek you and to intentionally set aside times to seek your face, to know you deeply. And I pray that as you change us, you would slowly and surely, um, in subtle but profound ways, change the world around us. But the one thing that we ask is that we would live with you.